0: My name is Arie Weinstein, the Rebbe Shliach to Newtown, Pennsylvania, and we are going to review today a talk that the Rebbe gave on this week's Torah portion, Parshas Kerach. This Shabbos coincides with the Rebbe's yartzite, Gimel Tammuz, So it's a, a, a special week to be learning the teachings of the Rebbe. As the Rebbe teaches us, this is the way to connect to him by learning his teachings. This talk is a fabulous talk where we can see that the truth of the Torah actually remains relevant at any time, any place, anywhere, and as you will be able to uh, associate on your own how this talk, which the Rebbe gave many years ago, is relevant to what's going on in the world today in a most significant way. The background of the talk is based on the story of this week's Torah portion where a gentleman by the name of Korach, who is a tremendous and enormous Torah scholar, a prophet, a man who was also fabulously wealthy and a man of status as he was from the tribe of Levi, a first cousin to Moshe and Aaron, contests the appointment of Aaron the high priest Moshe appoints Aaron as the high priest, his brother, Moshe appoints his brother Aaron as the high priest. Of course, that appointment was by divine instruction. And Korach contests it. And he also contests all leadership, saying that all Jewish people are holy and there should be equality amongst the Jewish people. Everyone is a holy person equally. There shouldn't be status amongst the Jewish people. Um, And in his um, great effort to... Uh, champion equality. What we discover is that he actually creates one of the de- most divisive moments amongst the Jewish people in the, d- during our time in the desert, which is a fascinating irony. Which is what the Rebbe is going to analyze. With the uh, end result of the story is that uh, Korach has two gentlemen by the name of Dustin and Aviram, the well-known troublemakers throughout our time, our our first uh, uh, period of time in the desert until they're going to be killed in this week's Torah portion. They join him, and then Korach gets another 250 elite members of the Sanhedrin, of the high court, uh, of the Jewish court system, to support him. And what ends up happening is that Korach, Dasan, and Aviram and their families get swallowed up as the earth opens up and swallows them alive. And the other 250 men who uh, brought incense, which Moses told them to do if they want to test who the true high priest is, he said, you can all bring incense with the high priest. We know that incense was a service that only the high priest was supposed to uh, officiate. And we'll see who God turns to. And the 250 men did this. They went along with this. They chose to do this understanding the risk. And in fact... The the fire um, consumed each one of them, and they all passed away um, by a divine fire um, killing them. So this is the background of the story and the story background of what we're going to be um, discussing. And the Rebbe begins the discussion by asking a question, um, as the Rebbe classically does, where we know that when God brings consequence, or if you will, punishment, to someone for a wrongdoing that they've done. We know that the consequence is always in, in direct measure to what they've done wrong. So if you look at what they've done wrong and you look at the consequence, you'll see an association between the two. What is the association between the 250 men um, who are bringing this Kitoris offering, this incense offering, and them being killed by a fire? And what is the association between the uh, Korach and Dathan and Aviram contesting the leadership of the high priest and leadership in general to the fact that they get swallowed up in the ground. What connection is there between the two? So that is th- what that is what leads us to a an explanation and understanding that the rebel will give us to have to to what really truly de- transpired in in this story and. There are different explanations given to the association between the punishment and what these individuals had done wrong. But when we want to find the true, wholesome explanation, it's got to satisfy every detail of the story. The way we know that we have come to a very sound explanation uh, or understanding to a story in the Torah is when that explanation actually fits with every aspect and detail of the story this is something that the rebbe masterfully does repeatedly in talk after talk where he explains a story to in a manner in which it begins to explain many details in the story which otherwise are hard to understand and this is something that he's going to do here as well and and he does that by first clarifying that the critical the essential um, issue with the behavior of Korach, Dosna and Aviram and these 250 men was the fact that they were introducing an element of divisiveness amongst the Jewish people. True it was done under the guise of and and arguably as the rebel explained the, the genuine desire for equality but ultimately this was very misplaced and created a tremendous amount of divisiveness and so we're going to actually see that the punishment they received was an expression of divisiveness at its core. And therefore it was actually a precise response to exactly what they were doing. Because we know that the Torah tells us that these people, they sinned binafshosam with their spirit. And as Rashi explains to us, that, that, that means that they were creating divisiveness amongst the Jewish people. And we also know that we're taught that anyone that ever engages in any form of divisiveness is violating a negative prohibition in the Torah. What prohibition is there in the Torah that one is not allowed allowed to argue or get into a fight with another person? And so we're taught that it says, one One should not be like Korach and his assembly. There's a prohibition to act like Korach and his assembly. Well, how do they act? The definition of that is divisively. They created a fight amongst the Jewish people. And so whenever someone creates divisiveness, they are actually violating this commandment of being like Korach. And that demonstrates to us that the core of the wrongdoing of Korach and his men was divisiveness, was the fact that they created division amongst the Jewish people. And and so here we see what the, the root of their wrongdoing was. And so we need to see how the idea of someone... Uh, of, of someone dying through a divine fire coming and consuming their soul, or someone and someone being swallowed up by the ground is actually an expression of, a, a, a very deep expression of what divisive, divisiveness really is all about. So let's first understand um, Korach's main argument, um, the core argument that Korach had. And his core argument was that there shouldn't be any classes. Why are there Kohanim, Leviyim, Yisraelim, Kohanim, they were the priests, the ones chosen to do service in the temple. The Levites also had a certain status. They did certain, um, uh, played certain roles in the temple. And then you had the Israelites, um, who did not have these, this special holy status or, or role. We shouldn't have any, any, any uh, type of classes amongst the Jewish people. And that sounds like a very admirable and beautiful argument. When people are placed on an even pedestal, then, you know, there isn't this divisiveness. It's sort of like people say, you know, how can you, you know, when we say that we are the chosen people, that's what creates anti-Semitism, because you're creating division amongst people and classes. And there is this assumption, this question, or, or this argument, is built on the assumption that it is the classes, the fact that we have different classes of people that are creating this division. And what's fascinating that uh, fascinating that we find from the story is that this complaint is actually what created the greatest divisiveness. The the championing of equality is what created the greatest divisiveness. And this is what will be so insightful as you'll be able to observe on your own in in uh, modern day society. In fact, the very first word of the Torah portion, VaYikach Korach, it says Korach took, he gathered people together. So the the a um unculus who translated the torah into aramaic he translates the word vayikach vizpaleg which means that he divided he literally translated the word as divided because that's actually actually what korach uh, uh, korach did and that's why the talmud teaches us that anyone who engages in any form of conflict or divisiveness is violating the commandment of being like korach in his assembly now, we need to understand this. How is it that one who demands unity is actually creating so much division? Right? How, does this irony, how did this irony, in fact, play out? And where did Korach go wrong? And this is what we want to understand. And the explanation is actually alluded to in the way Moshe immediately responds to Korach. The first thing that Moshe says is, Boker, in the morning. You're coming to me in the afternoon. And you, 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 with this whole complaint, let's sleep over it, and boker in the morning, v'yodah, and we will know. So Rashi says that w- what was Moshe telling them when he said, in the morning we will know? There is, there is a simple understanding. Just let's sleep over it. Maybe you had some wine with your dinner. Tomorrow morning you'll be more relaxed and you'll, you'll be calmer. A lot of times when we sleep over something, we calm down and we can have a more rational mind. That's a simple understanding. But Rashi gives us another analyzation of Bokeh by saying, when God created the world, right? He created every day, divided, divided into two parts. There's the night and there is the morning. Right? If you don't have a night, or if you don't have a morning, you don't have a day. What makes up a day is a night and a morning. Um, you always need that. So what he was saying is that God created the world with parameters where everything has a precise definition and a precise place like we know there is dark and there's light which is night and day there there are jews there are gentiles there's a kohen there's a Levi, there's an israelite each person is created with their unique divine distinct definition and which then of course gives them their distinct role if you can't get rid of morning and night. Moshe was telling them, you're not going to be able to get rid of Kohenim, Levim, and and these different classes amongst the Jewish people. Because they are all needed. There's a reason why God created the world with different parameters, definitions, and classes. And in fact, we know this from the moment God created the world. Because when God created the world, how did God... See, before God created the world, what was there? There was only God. There was one. There was one. That's all there was. When God creates the world, suddenly there's multiplicity. There's there's an endless number of things that were created, an endless number of things. And how did these endless number of things come about? Because when God created the world, God, word God, uh, the world, God spoke, right? God said, "Let there be light." Right? Let there be. Let there be. And we're taught that God said, "Let there be ten times." Why did God say, "Let there be"? Why didn't God just say, "Let there be a world" and everything would then evolve or be created? exactly into the different specifications god wanted because when god said let there be multiple times god was actually indicating that this world is a world that's made up of multiplicity no longer is it oneness that's the difference between god and creation god is one but creation is multiplicity it's made up of an endless number of things in every single thing has a different statement so to speak, which creates it, a different energy and then it shows up in physical form in its own very unique defined way, the way it looks, the size that it is, the the amount of energy it has within it, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. This is fundamental in understanding how God created the world and this makes every single creation distinct from another. So just and day just as day and night create a day, Creation reaches its completion when each creation fulfills its distinct purpose. Just like day needs to be day and night needs to be night in order for us to have a complete day, in order for the world creation to reach its completion, every single creation needs to know what it is and fulfill the purpose it was created for, its distinct purpose. Because every creation has a distinct uh, purpose. Every human has a distinct purpose. There is nothing God created in this world which is for nothing. Just because. There's nothing extra in the world. God is very precise. And that's the reason why when one person attempts to fulfill another's purpose in creation, what they're doing is they are creating confusion and interference in the entire order of creation so when i try to be you or you try to be me we have a big problem it's not just a personal issue which it is that we are not fulfilling our purpose but we are actually affecting the entirety of creation because every single creation needs to be the expression of what it was created for and this all was expressed by the fact that god created the world with ten utterances so now once we understand once we understand we understand moshe is giving them a message and the message is that god created everything distinct there isn't equality god didn't create the world with equality because he wants everything to fulfill a unique purpose not the same purpose now just as god created these these distinctions in the world as we know it you know the physical world as we know it god also created these parameters and distinctions within the holiness as it presides in the world as we know it you know holiness in our world is holiness that has been filtered to a level that it can it can show up in our physical world and it shows up as well in certain levels distinctions and parameters for example we're taught that there are in israel we know israel is called the holy land because israel is holier which means it has a greater divine presence than any other land in the world within the land of israel there are 10 levels of holiness depending on where in israel one is there are 10 levels of holiness that exist so we see that actually um You know, Hasidic philosophy teaches us uh, um, that there are three primary dimensions that are experienced in our physical world. And those dimensions are time, space, and, if you will, spirit, consciousness, or the soul of man. So in space, we see... The land of Israel is a holy land in distinction of all lands. And then the land of Israel itself has 10 levels of, of holiness. So we see in the, in the way holiness shows up in this world, it also shows up with distinct parameters associated with um, distinct uh, uh, things. In time as well, you have a weekday, which is what we call Chol, which is a mundane day. You have a Yom Tov, a holiday. You have a Shabbos, You have a Shabbos, Shabbos, and a Shabbos of Shabbos, which is Yom Kippur. There are different time zones throughout the year, and each time zone has a different level of holiness. And then you also have, within the third dimension, the human spirit. We have different dimensions of holiness. You have a Kohen, a priest, a Levite, a Levi, and an Israelite, a Yisrael. That's exactly the way God designed holiness in this world. Now, just as Shalom, peace, in the world, happens when, you know, they say, good fences make good neighbors, right? So how do we have peace in this world? On the most basic level, it's when one, um, one distinct entity does not encroach upon another distinct entity. Each distinct entity is an expression of itself. It's not trying to be the expression of another. Um, or go into that space where it doesn't belong so when everyone stays within their parameter then we have peace everyone is fulfilling their purpose this is true in, in the holy realm as well when a coin is a coin and does what a coin should do and a levi is a levi, does what a levi should do and an Israelite is an Israelite and does what an Israelite should do then we have conformity everyone's, everyone's doing their thing and everyone's in peace together if a levy tries to be a coin which was in, in part what Korach was contesting, we have a big problem. That's on the very basic level. But the Rebbe says, actually, we know really that that is not the fullness of peace. That's coexistence. Coexistence really isn't peace. Maybe that sounds a little bit more like tolerance. A, a deeper level of peace is when each Distinct entity not only is an expression of itself, but shares what it can with the other to enhance the other as the other is distinctly. So when we serve each other to assist each other with whatever it is that we have to offer to enhance the other, then we are actually creating peace. We're working together. And and, and, and uh, we see that also spiritually. Like we know that Shabbos, one of the themes, the ideas of Shabbos is that Shabbos blesses. It brings a distinct energy to all of the days of the week. So the way we uh, go through a Shabbos actually influences the upcoming week, which means that there's an influence that comes from Shabbos to the week. It doesn't. We're, we never turn the week into Shabbos because weekday is weekday, Shabbos is Shabbos. However, we can enhance the weekday through the way we observe Shabbos, likewise Shabbos gets enhanced by the weekday, as as we're taught that if someone uh, makes effort before Shabbos, they have what to eat on Shabbos. Uh, our Shabbos can only uh, can only uh, can, is enhanced tremendously by the effort that we're making before Shabbos begins. Uh, a Kohen Gadol uh, gives uh, Birchas Kohenim. he bestows the priestly blessing upon the Jewish people. He takes from his holiness his distinct holiness, and he bestows that as God commands him to upon the Jewish people to enhance the Jewish people. Does it make the Jewish people call on him now? No. They remain distinct as Israelites or as uh, Levites. But now there is an enhancement that's gotten from one to the other. In time, um, again, we find from Shabbos to the weekday, from weekday to Shabbos, in the human spirit, we find that there's a mitzvah for every Jew to actually... Um, as, as the language of the Torah, is vikidashto, to sanctify, to, to give holiness to, to a Kohen. That means that that if a, if a Kohen um, is waiting to do so, if a bunch of people are waiting to do something, a Kohen is always supposed to go first. It's our way of, as the Rebbe explains, not just honoring the Kohen, but it's actually bestowing holiness on the Kohen. So the Israelite has the power through fulfilling the mitzvah of giving this, uh, this honor Uh, to a coin who has a status of holiness to actually bring out the holiness that the coin has and reveal that within him or even add to the holiness that the coin has. And this only happens when there are parameters and we shear from one parameter to the other, from one distinction to the other. When there are distinct entities and one entity then shears to the other, the other shears back. When you have the shearing going back and forth, that is when you ultimately have this idea of distinction as god created the world to be and it's meant to be while being able to affect each other through giving from what makes us distinct to enhance the efforts the others making in their own uh, distinct realm the rabbi takes this one step further to a third level of peace where he says that the highest level of peace is not just where we have independent entities that are influencing each other, but we experience a level of interdependence. Interdependence is where we actually realize that it's not that I am distinct and you are distinct and I'll benefit you where I can, you'll benefit me where you can, but we begin to realize that actually we are all part of one large organism, so that essentially we are one. Essentially, we are one entity. It's just that we show up as individual parts of this one entity. And therefore, the entire organism functions more properly when every single one of us is playing out our part and, of course, influencing each other. This leads to the highest level of peace because we now realize we're really part of one whole. And therefore, what's going on with you is very important to me. Uh, you're playing your role is very important to me and my playing my role is very important to you because we are really all one single entity it's not that we're just independent beings who are going to be nice to each other and help each other out but really helping each ourselves out when we're helping each other out it's sort of like the, the Al explains um the limbs of a body well you know the legs are not nearly as sophisticated as the brain the brain can have all of its brilliant thoughts and ideas and want to accomplish many different things without the arms and the legs. It won't be able to effectuate much. So therefore, the arms and legs are crucial to the brain. So, and this is the spiritual state of the Jewish people as well as a people. Uh, We have all different types of souls, which are all in different types of levels, each one talented and gifted in different ways. And we are really all one single organism, known in, 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 in our Kabbalistic and, and Hasidic teachings as Knessus Yisrael, the, the congregation of the Jewish people as we exist on high as, uh, as one. And we show up in this world as distinct people, but really every single one of us has a significant impact on the whole because we really are all one. And this plays itself out in space. When we say that there are 10 levels of holiness in the land of Israel, what we're saying is that Israel requires for their, for Israel as an entity to exist, this, the land of Israel to exist, it needs to have all ten of these levels, because all ten of these levels make up the, the this this single unit called Israel. In the same way, time you know one can think one can think I can observe Rosh Hashanah, I can observe Yom Kippur, but the truth of the matter is that an entire year uh, to be a wholesome year is made up of a combination of all of these holidays, of all of these Shabbosim, of all of these special days that come together and then create this single entity called a year. It's all just different parts forming that that put together this one year. So this level of uh, peace and unity requires parameters even more than the first two levels of unity and of peace that we discussed. Because it's specifically the distinctions of every single day, unique day of the year that is going to form the year. If you don't have these distinct days, you can't make up this uniqueness of this year. If you don't have these distinct classes amongst the Jewish people, you can't make up the Jewish people. Even though you can't have a Jewish people without the Kohen, the Levi, and the Israelite, without these three classes, you need these three classes to make up what the Jewish people are. So, the way we experience in this world, every general body, whether it's a year, whether it's the Jewish people, whether it's the land of Israel, is by it being made up by its uh, of its distinct par- distinct parts, and all of those parts knowing that I am a part of a greater whole and therefore there is a tremendous uh, interchange of interdependence that goes on between every single part and these three levels of of peace that we just discussed the first one being just coexisting side by side that you be you and I be me and then that one influence the other so I can I can assist you with my advantage you can assist me with your advantage in fulfilling each um, our distinct roles and then understanding that there's an interdependence actually we are all one we're just different parts of this one single organism or one single entity so these different levels of shalom um, only exist came into existence in creation once god created the world with the ten utterances. but god prior to creating the world what was there there was just one You know what? There wasn't peace. There was no peace. You know why there was no peace? Because peace only exists when you have more than one thing. There are two things that have to be peaceful between each other. But when there's just God, there isn't even Shalom. There's no peace. There's just one. Um, And God, on rare occasion, actually even shows this oneness of pre-creation, which is really an expression of the essence of God in the world. When does God show this? Well, we know this. God shows us in the dimension of space in the Holy of Holies, the, the holiest space in the universe, which was the innermost sanctum of the Beis Hamikdash of the temple, which is called the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. Over there, we know that there was an experience which defied the possibility that existed at every moment in the Holy of Holies. And just briefly, that was that the Ark in the uh, in the Holy of Holies was a particular... Um, dimension, and if you measured from one wall to one to from one wall of the holy of holies to the ark, and from the other wall to the ark, and then the space of the ark, you would get a total of ten amos, a measurement of ten amos. And at the very same time, if you measured from one wall directly to the other wall, you would get a measurement of ten amos without the space of the ark. This defies logic, and that's because it, ex- it was a, it was an experience of the infinite oneness of god um which otherwise which completely defies logic there's no way to explain that Um, defies all uh, any type of parameters as we are discussing uh, uh, of universal parameters uh, the way the world was created and in it was in that space that god expressed this unique oneness that defies any parameters that was in space In, in in spirit or in time the day that god expresses his oneness is on yom kippur which is the reason why yom kippur is referred to as achas in the torah it's referred to as achas pashana one in the year why is it referred to as one because god shows shows up on a level of oneness where there is no division anymore and there's much to be said about this but that's not for this talk and and lastly in spirit who is the one unique person the kohen godal echad the one coin the one high priest the high priest Um, He was also a person who in some way was an expression of this oneness that actually is way beyond the universe as we know it, where where the universe is made up of parameters. And when these three um, expressions of oneness in in these three um, um, different dimensions all come together, you have something very powerful. And that's what happens on Yom Kippur. Um, It brings a touch of absolute unity, into every Jew, but here's the the point. The point is that a person cannot live in this physical world and experience that oneness and live with it on a day-to-day basis because God specifically designed this world with parameters and limitations and definition for every single existence and creation. That is the purpose of this world that we live within the confines of these parameters, of these distinctions, and then express the purpose of this unique distinction God made me to be. And when we all do that together, that's when we, when we bring the world to its um, ultimate uh, purpose. And this is, based on all of this, we can now understand Korach's big mistake. You see, the, 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 the Midrash says that Korach was a pika he, he was a brilliant man. He was, he was a genius. Brilliant man. And he fell in his foolishness. Well, if he was a, if he was such a brilliant man, what was his foolishness? This is exactly now, now we can understand what his wisdom was and what his foolishness was. You see, we're taught, the Mishnah teaches us, chacham." <inaudible> what is what makes a person a wise person? So one of the one of the definitions of a wise person is hanoilad, <inaudible> someone who can see that, that which will be borne out later on. Someone who can foresee how things are going to play out. You can't see them now, but you can foresee how things are going to play out. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. So essentially, a wise person is a person who can see not only that which is revealed, but that which is still hidden. The inner content of something. Like, it hasn't been shown, it hasn't played out yet, it hasn't been spoken, but the person who can already see what's going to happen. That is actually true brilliance, true wisdom. Korach when he said, all of us are holy, every Jew is holy, why are you raising one person over another? He was expressing an ideal which he was able to foresee playing out. And this ideal is an ideal that will play out when Mashiach comes. And it's an ideal also that exists at the very root of everything, which is on the root level of God's, uh, of God that we know God in his oneness. On that level, everything is 100% equal. There is no division of things. And so in his enormous idealism, he was trying to bring into our physical a reality of creation this ideal of oneness, of God as God is in his root, or as we will be, be, be experiencing this once Mashiach comes. And his foolishness was, that such unity can only exist in its root state. It cannot exist in our world of paradigms. And what happens, and here's the profound uh, key point, what happens when someone tries to bring an ideal that's not made for creation into creation is that this ideal of equality, which is so, you know, it's such a beautiful ideal and it sounds so wonderful, And it truly would be. It just can't work. When someone tries to bring that into the world of definitions, parameters, and distinctions, what the person ends up creating is division. That's the irony. So here's a person holding up the greatest ideal of equality. And what do they bring? The most horrific experience of division. So when we say that all is holy, what you end up having is, Jewish, You have Israelites bringing the katoris, the incense, which is not their role. They are engaging in a level of holiness that their soul is not cut out to be aligned with. And therefore, their souls are unable to integrate the holiness that the katoris, that the incense offering brings into the world. They are not able to integrate that into the world. And what happens when when, when, when their soul engages in an activity that they're not aligned with, it creates destruction. Their souls cannot handle that exposure because they're not designed for that exposure. They have a distinct role and that's not their distinct role. And what happens is their souls expire. A fire comes and burns their souls. And so their their, their divine spark, their divine soul, uh, gets elevated to the next world and no longer can continue its mission in this world. What does this do? This creates division. This creates division between the body and the soul. That's what it does. It also creates division amongst the Jewish people because the wrong people are doing the wrong things. Instead of me accepting my distinct role, I'm insisting on an ideal which cannot be integrated into the world, which is that God should show up in his infinite presence. The moment you have an infinite presence within a finite world, all all, all, all finite beings can no longer exist. And so they expired. This was the foolishness that Korach uh, that 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 that, uh, that led Korach down the wrong path um, through his tremendous wisdom of understanding that in the root of things there is there is oneness and that the ultimate goal of all of our work will lead us to an experience of oneness. But as we are in this world of creation, there is no way that we can experience this oneness. We have to work within the confines of the limitations that, uh, and, and definitions that God created in the world. And now we can understand how these punishments were a measure for measure. And this is a, a more subtle idea. So we have to pay close attention to this. Burning of something is generally an elevation of the matter. When, when something gets burned, there's a fire that burns something, then most of that matter gets elevated into smoke. And that's why smoke actually moves up. Fire actually uh, moves up. Um, the more refined part of that matter actually gets elevated. The least refined of the matter actually stays down as ash. Um, and in the very same way, when these 250 men brought the incense, which they were not supposed to bring, what happened was their soul, that which is the higher part of themselves, ascended on high and was no longer able to continue fulfilling its mission in this world. When Korach um, and Dustin Naviram and Aviram and their families um were swallowed up by the earth, uh, what happened with, with them is that they descended, their coarseness descended into the ground. Because what also happens when a person, um, when a person does not fulfill the will of God, so what happens is that the energy, the divine energy that we have invested within us, within our bodies to live, um, is then used by negative forces for negative things. So this energy that was endowed to us and invested within us is now being captured by negativity. And negativity is now being empowered because it has more energy for it to be able to express itself in negative ways. And that's a dissension. So the energy of the soul, the souls ascended on a high and the divine energy that enlivens the body was now swallowed into the ground. It's an expression of it descended into klipa, into negativity. What does that ultimate create when you have a schism between body and soul, which is essentially death? That's the ultimate division. That's the last thing any human being wants. So these two punishments were the expression of the ultimate division that one can experience. Why did they experience? Why did? Why were these two punishments an expression of division? Because that was actually the wrongdoing of Korach and Dusna and Aviram, and these 250 men that they were creating division amongst the Jewish people. And while idealistically it sounded very noble, it was actually um, uh, terribly wrong, And uh, because even though it sounded very noble to champion equality, e- that level of equality in this world doesn't work. It actually leads to division. So what's the lesson that we learned from all this? We learned some, a powerful lesson from this. The powerful lesson from this is that when the Torah teaches us distinctions and parameters What the Torah is actually teaching us are the parameters and distinctions that will lead to peace in this world. When we take away these distinctions and parameters, we are actually going to create more division in the world, more hostility, more problems amongst people than peace. And that's why when the Torah tells us that there are guidelines um, between um, men and women, when we follow those guidelines which show up in many different levels. They show up both between a husband and a wife. When a husband and a wife are permitted um, to, uh, to, to be intimate, and when they aren't, it shows up uh, between a, a man with a woman who he's not married to, and the guidelines the Torah teaches us in creating a space between the two, so that each one stands within their space, and there isn't a violation of the two. How that enhances... Our lives and our society, and takes us away from problems that otherwise crop up. The, the 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 distinctions between faiths, between Jews and Gentiles, and the way a Jew conducts himself and the Gentile conducts, conducts themselves—what they should be doing together, what they shouldn't be doing together. Um, whenever we remove any form of parameters, it will ultimately lead to disunity. That's what we learned from the story of Korach. It's like fire and water. You put fire and water together, one of them is going to destroy the other. They can't coexist. However, if you put water into a pot and you put fire under the pot, then the fire and the water can both exist beautifully together. There needs to be a separation. There needs to be different parameters. That's what this all teaches us. And when we make the effort to follow the guidelines of the torah the parameters of the torah in every area of life as the torah teaches us because we we know the torah is uh the torah Torah of life that guides us in every single area of our life and teaches us the proper way and improper way of conducting ourselves every time we take on another commitment to another distinction to be aligned with what we are ultimately doing is bringing the world closer to when we will be able to experience the absolute oneness and that is with the coming of Mashiach.